This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Police in Highland Park, Illinois, said that the 22-year-old man they had been seeking in connection with the fatal shooting of six people and wounding of at least 30 others at a 4th of July parade had been taken into custody. The shootings, the latest in a sequence of similar outrages in America, were carried out with a rifle fired from a rooftop shortly after the parade in the Chicago suburb began on Monday morning. Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, said that he has asked Turkey and the United Nations to ensure the security of grain leaving the country's ports. Ukraine, which is one of the world's leading grain exporters, has accused Russia of blocking its ships, exacerbating a global food crisis. Mr Zelensky said 22 million tonnes of grain are currently stuck and that in autumn that figure might rise to 75 million tonnes. Italy declared a state of emergency in five northern regions in response to the area's worst drought in 70 years. The drought threatens over 30% of Italy's agricultural production. Several municipalities have also set restrictions on water usage. The announcement came after a glacier collapsed in the Italian Alps, killing seven, as the result of unusually high temperatures. More torrential rain worsened already catastrophic flooding along Australia's east coast. As of Tuesday, 50,000 residents in New South Wales have either been ordered to evacuate or warned that they might have to. The western suburbs of Sydney, the country's biggest city, are worst affected. Several places have received more than their annual average rainfall in just three days. Inflation in South Korea rose to 6% in June, the highest in nearly 24 years. Already pursuing tighter monetary policy, South Korea's central bank could increase interest rates by an unprecedented half a percentage point at its meeting next week. For the third month in a row, Australia raised rates on Tuesday, also by half a percentage point, taking the Reserve Bank's cash rate to 1.35%. Inflation in Thailand surged to 7.7% in June, a 14-year high. Meanwhile, in Sri Lanka, Ranil Wickremesinghe, the Prime Minister, told Parliament that inflation is expected to reach an annual 60%. Ahead of a monetary policy review on Thursday, he said the government aims to stop printing money which it has been doing to pay local salaries amid a chaotic financial and political crisis. In May, the country defaulted on its debt for the first time. Norwegian offshore oil and gas workers went on strike to demand higher wages because of rising inflation. The organising union said oil and gas output would fall significantly, with a 13% reduction in Norway's expected daily gas output on Wednesday. Gas shortages are currently particularly acute in Europe because of reduced supply from Russia. And fact of the day, 99.1. The score out of 100 received by Vienna, the world's most livable city. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Belt tightening down under. Australia's Reserve Bank has lifted interest rates twice in as many months as it tries to curb rising inflation, 
At its last meeting in June, it stunned markets by yanking rates up by 50 basis points. An increase of the same size is expected when monetary policymakers meet on Tuesday, taking interest rates to 1.35%. That will not be the end of the tightening. In the first three months of the year, inflation reached more than 5%, above the Reserve Bank's target rate of 2-3%. Fuel and power bills are surging. The national minimum wage has been lifted to 5.2%, which risks pushing up prices still further. Monetary policymakers expect inflation to reach 7% by the end of the year. They insist that they can curb it without triggering a recession. Unemployment is low and Australia's vast imports of coal and gas are raking in fortunes, but the risk of a downturn is growing. Finland and Sweden edge closer to NATO membership. NATO leaders heaved a sigh of relief last week when Recep Tayyip Erdogan, Turkey's president, dropped his objection to applications from Finland and Sweden to join the military alliance. The two countries are due to sign the accession protocol documents on Tuesday, but the drama is not over. Turkey's foreign minister, Mevlut Cevşoglu, now says that Turkey will veto the Nordic pair if they do not abide by an agreement they signed to toughen their stance against the PKK a Kurdish rebel group that Turkey's army has fought for decades. That might seem legitimate brinkmanship, but Mr. Erdogan seems to be moving the goalposts. Last week, he said Turkey's parliament would not ratify the enlargement. All 30 NATO members must do so unless Sweden extradited 73 Turks with alleged ties to the PKK and other critics of the Turkish government. That is not likely to happen. NATO's Nordic enlargement is not yet a done deal. The global oil markets knotted pipes. On Tuesday, Russia is expected to end its search for mines in the waters near the Caspian Pipeline Consortium's Black Sea Terminal, through which Kazakhstan exports about 80% of its crude oil. Resumption of full service would bring relief to the oil market, which has been disrupted since Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The CPC carries more than 1 million barrels per day, equivalent to 1% of globally traded volumes. The search for mines had threatened to hinder operations and push up prices. Even so, frictions in the oil market are likely to last. As Europe shuns Russia's seaborne oil, tankers now ship it to China and India. Europe, in turn, fills the void by sucking supply from nearly everywhere else. Kazakhstan, whose oil is often mistaken for Russia's, in part because it is shipped from a Russian port, recently renamed its black stuff to avoid embargoes. Once a well-oiled machine, the global market for crude is becoming less efficient. France's new government This week was supposed to mark a decisive new start for Emmanuel Macron, the re-elected French president. But his new government begins its first full day of work on Tuesday, supported by a parliament in which it has only a minority of seats. The new government, unveiled by Mr. Macron, is made up mostly of members of the old one. Those who kept their jobs include Elisabeth Bonn, the prime minister, and Bruno Le Maire, the finance minister. Ms. Bonn will outline her planned laws in a speech to the National Assembly on Wednesday. Tradition has it that she then puts this to a parliamentary vote of confidence. Losing such a vote would oblige the government to resign. 
but there is no constitutional obligation to offer the confidence vote, and she has decided not to do so. That has enraged the already noisy opposition, with one party threatening to table a separate vote of no confidence anyway. Keeping the Dinosaurs Cozy There was nothing obviously special about dinosaurs when they first appeared. Dinosaurs inspire such awe today because they survived a mass extinction that eliminated their competitors. Their secret? They were better at keeping warm. New research published in Science Advances shows that at the end of the Triassic period, when the dinosaurs emerged victorious, winters near the poles, where dinosaurs were abundant and diverse, were freezing. But dinosaurs had certain heat-retaining feather-type filaments that helped them survive this cold weather. The Triassic ended when enormous volcanic eruptions split open the Pangaea supercontinent. The researchers argue that sulfur dioxide from these volcanoes formed aerosol particles that reflected sunlight back into space, causing the Earth's temperature to drop by as much as 10 degrees Celsius. Many species perished, but not the cold-adapted dinos. They were free to evolve, eventually becoming the behemoths beloved of museum curators and film directors today. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 hours BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Tuesday which California city is named after an 18th century bishop and philosopher? Monday. In which city is there a statue of Hans Christian Andersen in the Rosenborg Castle Gardens? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Cy Twombly, who died on this day in 2011. To my mind, one does not put oneself in place of the past. One only adds a new link. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening. 